Bibles this morning and open up to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John's got a very familiar passage, John 14. And today I want to continue in our series as we talk about myths that uh, lead to misbelief. And uh, we've talked about uh, the importance of Scripture and understanding Scripture. We've talked about our origins. We've talked about the foundations uh, that we build our lives upon, which are essential to making sure we know truth from error. And I want to talk to you about another common myth uh, in our culture. And we're talking about religious myths primarily, but it is the myth that uh, one way to God is as good as any other. There are just many paths, that's what we're told. And uh, and so it's important for us to know what the Scripture says. If you're physically able to do so, why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's read our text, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 14. These are the words to, of Jesus. And by the way, these words were spoken by Jesus to His disciples as He neared uh, His death and uh, resurrection. And He wanted them to take comfort in what He was going to tell them. And He wanted them to know the truth uh, because he was going to be gone until the Spirit came and resided in them shortly after the resurrection. And he wanted their hearts not to be in turmoil. And so look what he says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, uh, have, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am... You may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Father, thank you for uh, making it plain and making it clear to us in your word so that we don't have to try to figure it out and hope we get it right Father, you've clarified the truth about how we get to God, how a man, a woman, a boy, a girl makes it into the kingdom. And so, Father, burn it into our hearts. And, uh, Father, for all of us here in this place and those who are joining us, uh, Father, all over by live stream, we pray that uh, this truth will resonate in their hearts. If there are any who do not know that, and there are, that you would make it plain to them today. Now, Lord, we love you, we adore you, we exalt you, we lift you up because you are a, a saving God, and we thank you for that. Now, speak to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, this is a, a, a vital passage for us to understand because uh, it is all about how we get from here to eternity. And uh, Jesus reveals a couple of things in these verses, and our focus will be primarily on verse 6, but he, he reveals a couple of things. Number one, He reveals the way of the kingdom through His teaching and His life. He reveals that to us, and so that's why the Gospels and the Scripture are so important, because He reveals to us how we are to live our life and the way we are to live, and we can see His example, but we can read and study His teaching, so He reveals that to us. But there's a second thing that He reveals to us, and that is not only the way of the kingdom, He reveals the way into the kingdom. And He makes that clear that He is the way. One poll revealed that 68% of Americans follow their own religious and spiritual beliefs. 
But they also think that other religious beliefs can be just as valid. And only 31% of the survey of people said that they believe their religious beliefs are true and universal and that they are the right religious beliefs. In other words, uh, uh, most people today uh, say that there are many ways to God, that there are just many different avenues and, and uh, all religions uh, head to the, uh, to the same ultimate destination. Suppose I told you that I decided to take a trip and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Arizona and I said to you, how should I go to Arizona? Well, uh, to simplify it, you'd say, well, go west. Go west, and you can go from Dothan and go west to, to Arizona. But suppose I said, well, that's one way. But I've decided to go to Pennsylvania in order to go to Arizona. And I'm also considering maybe I'm going to go to North Carolina to go to Arizona. Now, if I said that to you, say you would say, you got it all wrong. And you would be right because... Really, the way to Arizona is to go west. You don't go west by going north unless you're insane or or east, right? You see, to go west or to go north or uh, or to uh, go north or to go east to go west won't get you there. So truly, one way is not as good as another, right, when it comes to navigation. And we get that when it comes to uh, navigation. It makes perfect sense to us. But then we turn around and live in a culture where many people, even in our churches, uh, say, but you can get to God any way you want to. Or there's a lot of different uh, paths to God. And many have accepted that faulty idea. It is a myth, by the way. And have chosen to believe that uh, uh, you can get to God by your own choices and by your own uh, uh, belief system. But that's just as crazy as believing that you can go west by going north or going east. Now, in America today, this is one of the most common misbeliefs. And uh, it's that uh, that misbelief that says it, it doesn't really matter what you believe because ultimately what really counts in the end is that you just strongly believe in something. We hear that. We see that uh, played out. And here is, the, here is the way we would express the myth uh, that uh, relates to faith in God that we so often hear today. Here it is. It's on your outline. All religions lead to God, and one way is as good as another. You've heard that. Haven't you heard that? How many of you have heard some variation of that? Every one, one religion is as good as another. It's important to have a religious faith. Now, it sounds good. It sounds broad-minded, it sounds tolerant, it sounds unprejudicial, it sounds unbiased, and it, is, it sounds especially politically correct. You know, different, different strokes for different folks. You believe what you want, I believe what I want, and it's okay for both of us to hold entirely opposing beliefs about uh, how to get to God because it's, it, it's all just really a matter of opinion anyway. And besides, there are so many different beliefs and religions who am I to judge now the only problem with that kind of thinking is that it's irrational it's irrational because every belief is not equal for example an atheist and a Christian hold exactly opposite beliefs so they can't both be right they both have a right to their belief 
Are you with me? But they can't both be right about their belief. So let me begin this morning by showing you some insinuations of the popular kind of religious beliefs and how they mislead. One of the insinuations of popular belief that one way is as good as another is this. Just be sincere. Just be sincere. That is, what you believe is, is not really important. The implication is that somehow sincerity will compensate for lack of truth. So just be sincere because that will compensate. It was the afternoon of April 4, 1943, when the crew of a B-24 bomber labeled Lady Be Good departed Solich Airstrip on the coast of Libya on their first combat mission, and their target was Naples, Italy. And shortly after takeoff, the bomber group encountered a sandstorm, and the sandstorm affected their engines, and the lead plane crashed into the ocean. And unfortunately, the lead plane also served as the navigation aircraft for all the other bombers. And so uh, they had all the uh, expert navigators on it. And the rest of the aircraft followed them on the mission. But now that it crashed, the bomber group was on its own. And for some reason, this particular B-24 Lady Be Good turned back just 30 minutes prior to reaching the target. And on their return flight, they took the wrong course. And then as they began to realize they were lost, they began to use their navigation equipment. But by now it was night. They were unaware of a tailwind carrying them and sensing that they must be near the Libyan coast and the air base, they radioed for a reference point to guide them in. But unknown to them, they had already passed the coast and they were now well over the desert. They had passed their reference points. They were faced with a choice. They could either believe their instruments or they could follow their own instincts. And so they chose to follow their instinct. They ignored the instruments. And hours later, they ran out of fuel and they crash-landed 440 miles into the desert. Now, most of the crew survived the crash, but then perished later lost in the desert. Now listen to me. They trusted their instincts and they crashed. They made a sincere choice, but they still crashed and burned. In Proverbs, we are told there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Now listen, there are some beliefs in your life that if you don't correct them, you're going to crash and burn and you're going to destroy yourself and perhaps take others down with you. You see, you can be sincere in what you believe and be sincerely wrong. The fact is, in life, it takes more than sincerity to make it into eternity. It takes truth. A, secular, a second popular uh, inference from uh, kind of cultural beliefs about religious uh, uh, destination is not only be sincere, but just be selective. Be selective about it. And that's about preference in beliefs. It suggests that, that your ability to, to pick your belief is actually more important than the belief themselves. In other words, my freedom to choose my belief is all that really matters. But this is like saying that the capacity to choose my belief is enough to make my belief valid. I spent some time this weekend in 
my garage. And uh, I began to uh, uh, look at the cars in my garage. And the more I looked at them, the more I thought, you know what? I want to be a car. And I'm in a garage, and that's where cars are. And so I decided that I would, I've decided to identify as a car. And even though mechanically I'm not constructed like a car, I've decided that I'm a car. So from this point forward, would you please refer to me as an automobile? That is my self-identification. Um, you know, I, I, my wife made me put bird seed in the bird feeders. They're hers, and she likes to watch the birds, and, and so they were empty, and so I followed instructions, and I went out and got the bird seed, and I put it in the bird feeder. And, uh, you know, I got to thinking, the birds really like this stuff. I wonder if I eat bird seed, will that make me a bird? I mean, the way our culture thinks these days, I can identify with whatever I want to identify with. Hello? Now, if I start telling you I'm going to identify as a car, or I'm going to identify now as a bird because I like bird seed, you are going to say, Pastor, we have loved you for 20 years. You are finished. Right? Now, by the way, not just religious folks would say that, not just church folks, not just Christians would say that. If I walked out into the community this week and started saying, please refer to me henceforth as an automobile. You know what the culture would say? You're a nutcase. And they would be right. Because I'm not constructed like an automobile. Hello? But that's the logic of your culture. You just choose. You just be selective. And by the way, the reason our culture believes that is Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things that were unholy and unnatural. So today we're just told what? In whatever it is, you just choose. And there, it, it's like there's some magical power in the, word, in the ability to choose. And, and it's like if, if I choose to be something or I choose to believe something, it, the choice itself endows me with the mystical, magical powers to be whatever I selectively decide or choose. Are you all with me? You understand what I'm saying? That's one of the inferences of belief today, is be sincere and be selective. And then third is the inference that uh, believe whatever you want, just be sensitive. That is, that, that beliefs have merit, so, so don't be so narrow-minded. Be sensitive. All beliefs uh, have merit. Now, if it works for someone, it's okay. Don't try to impose your views or your beliefs on other people. This is especially promoted in our culture today. It suggests that not only must you tolerate every view and every belief and every behavior, but you must also move beyond tolerance to affirmation. For example, a few years ago, former Navy chaplain to the Navy SEALs, Lieutenant Commander Wesley J. Motor who saw action in the first Gulf War and served for 15 years as a Navy officer and a chaplain, was 
rebuffed and decommissioned for his insensitive insensitivity of biblical beliefs. He had shared his biblical views in a private conversation, and it had been reported to his supervisors, and so he was rebuffed and removed. Or consider three-star Army General Lieutenant General William Jerry Boykin, a war hero. This guy is a uh, he's G.I. Joe. I mean, he is a, a war hero. And he was asked or disinvited from speaking at West Point Military Academy because he's an outspoken Christian. And I mean, this dude's like an action <laughs> movie hero. Uh, when the super elite Delta Force was formed in the late 70s, uh, which was our top uh, counterintelligence military unit. Uh, by the way, the Pentagon still won't uh, uh, discuss that officially. Uh, he was a part of the very first group. He was uh, a ranger in the 101st Airborne Unit. And Boykin served uh, afterwards as a commanding general of the U.S. Army Special Forces Command. Then he command, uh, was a commanding general of the U.S. Army Special Warfare Center. He also served at the CIA and as Deputy Undersecretary of Intelligence at the Department of Defense. Boykin has done it all. He's been in battle as part of America's most elite fighting force. He rose to command uh, those troops as general, and he also served in the CIA and the Pentagon on the strategic planning and management side of this equation. He's also a Christian uh, and speaks at churches nationwide. And as a private citizen, after he was retired from the, uh, the army, he was invited to speak at, listen, a prayer breakfast at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Seems like the ideal choice, right? <laughs> Given his military history and, and accolades and that he's a Christian, he's asked to speak at a prayer breakfast. But when that happened, the far left exploded. You know, the people that are most tolerant? They exploded. And the fear of him speaking about his Christian faith at a prayer breakfast, caused various Islamic groups to join with various atheists. <laughs> what a partnership. They partnered on that and called on West Point to disinvite this American hero just because he was a Christian. And by the way, just as a footnote, isn't it ironic that those who have screamed the loudest for decades that we must be sensitive to every idea and personal belief have now become the most insensitive and intolerant toward any belief that doesn't fit their ideology. Now, while sensitivity can be a wonderful trait, and I'm all for it, be careful not to confuse sensitivity with the affirmation of that which is wrong. And that's what is happening in our culture today and in the minds, unfortunately, of many believers who have just simply said, well, I'm just trying to be sensitive. I, I want to be sensitive to all, all beliefs. I'm not telling you to pick a fight about beliefs. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm for sensitivity. But sensitivity is not a means by which we affirm that which is clearly wrong in the Scriptures. Hello? So, cultural belief has some implications. It has some inferences, and it teaches us that you must be sincere. Just be sincere. You're, whatever you believe, if you're sincere uh, about it, or selective about it, or, or most of all, sensitive when it comes to other people, uh, Christ, and faith, and eternity. 
Now, we are called to be sensitive. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. That's pretty sensitive, don't you think? It's not saying pick a fight or create a war. It's just saying speak, but don't back off the truth in order to sensitively affirm that which is wrong. And that leads me to three bold truths that Jesus declared that I want to show you from our passage this morning that corrects the myth that one way to God, one belief is just as good as any other. The first is this. Jesus tells us that He is the only path available to God. He's the only path available. He says, I am the way. Now, I've told you on many occasions over the years that that phrase, the way, there denotes the one and only way to God, not a way to God. I've told you, and you should know this by now, but the definite article is used in the Greek. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying, I am the one and only way. I am not a way, I am the way. Definite article. And in that day, you can imagine, that made the religious leaders of Jesus' day very uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, here we are 2,000 years later, nothing has changed about this statement. It's, it's still true, and it still makes many religions of the age uncomfortable today, including many people who confess to follow Christ. Why? Why is that so? Well, we'll write this down. It is because it is an exclusive path. It is When he says, I am the way, I am not a way, our world says there are many ways, so a ways. But Jesus says, no, I am the way. I am the exclusive path. Jesus wasn't hiding this fact. It's a statement of full disclosure. Jesus wanted everyone to know the truth about entering the kingdom of God and the pathway that will get them there. He wants the whole world to know. And we know that because God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not trying to hide this. And by the way, He tells us, don't you hide it either. He said a candle isn't meant to be put under a, a, a cover, but it's to be promptly promoted where, where no one has to question, is that a light or not? And Jesus wanted the world to know. Now, it isn't unusual for the age in which we live in to reject this simply because they don't want any stipulations placed upon them. And that gets back to some stuff we've already talked about in previous messages, but they don't want any kind of stipulations. A few years ago, there was a mini-series titled Belief, and Oprah Winfrey kind of conducted that. She's been in the news of late. And in that, she makes this statement, and I quote, Faith is whatever you believe it to be. Now, she had previously claimed that there are many paths to what you call God. That's a quote. That's how she said it. And then interestingly, Diana Butler Bass, in an article in the Washington Post, said this, said, we are living through a period of intense spiritual democratization. The very idea of a distant and monarch-like God are being challenged by ordinary people. By the way, before I continue, just a footnote. We don't hold to a, a distant monarch God. We hold to a very personal, up-close God. And then she goes on to say, uh, this notion's being challenged by people across the planet. People are taking responsibility for their own versions of meaning. 
and in the process are remaking faith in ways that are more inclusive, more personal, more connected to the natural world, and more attentive to their community. And she calls this movement nothing less than a global spiritual revolution. And she declares, quote, All around the world people are discovering that God or gods or the goddess or the spirit of all is nearer than has often been taught and that the divine can be assessed by anyone anywhere. She's convinced that human beings can tr trust themselves to find God and grace whenever the sacred might be discerned. Did you get what she's saying? You pick your own God. You, there's a revolution going on around the globe. And by the way, I want to tell you, it's Arthur, it, the author of the revolution is in hell. And this revolution is going on. All the people are picking their own uh, definitions of meaning and God or goddesses and, and even just the spirit of all. Uh, she, she says, Jim Dennison followed up the article with an interesting uh, a statement. He said, so people then are to take responsibility for their own versions of meaning and to trust themselves to find God. He said, this reasoning sounds really attractive in the world today, but that same reasoning wouldn't work for medicine. It wouldn't work for engineering or it wouldn't work for construction or it wouldn't work in the law. You, you, you wouldn't say, well, I have no construction experience, but I've got some thoughts about how I want to build. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't walk into a court and say, well, I've had no legal background. I don't even know the law, but I'll just kind of figure out what I feel it ought to be like. It doesn't work anywhere, does it? It doesn't work anywhere. Jesus spoke of two roads in Matthew 7. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus' words. See, it's an exclusive path, isn't it? He said there are really only two paths. There's a broad road, it leads to destruction, and it's the road that many people choose to take. And you may be here today, and you may be watching by live stream or television, and you've chosen the broad road, and you've determined that you're going to make up your own mind about faith and belief and, and how to get to heaven. I want to tell you something, it's a dangerous road. It'll lead to your ruin, to your destruction. And by the way, it leads to a nation's ruin and destruction too. Or he says there's a narrow way. And listen to this. He said, few people find the narrow way. This is an exclusive path. But here's the second thing. Write this down. But it is also an available path. It's an available path. Jesus opened the way to all who would receive him and to, the, to, to those who would respond to the work that he's done on the cross on their behalf. So on one hand, you have this exclusive, this exclusive path where Jesus says, I am the way. There is no other way to the Father. No one, did you get that? No one comes to the Father, but by me, I am the way. And, and uh, then you have uh, the fact that he said, but whosoever, whoever receives him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, John says in chapter 1. So it's exclusive, but it's open. It's not restricted by race. It's not restricted by heritage or privilege. The only limitation is for those who reject Christ. That's the only limitation, is that you reject Christ. 
And so we must understand that Jesus makes the bold statement that he is the only way into the kingdom. There aren't other ways. Second thing I want you to see is not only is Jesus the only path available, Jesus is the only person approvable. He's the only person approvable to God. Verse 6 again, he says just this one word, I am. Do you understand the magnitude of that statement? It is a statement of deity. It is a statement of identification. And listen to this, it is a statement of qualification. He didn't say you are. He said I am. Only the holy and righteous I am was qualified to redeem us and take away the sin of the world. Paul said in Galatians, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by, listen, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, who is hanged on a tree. He became our curse. He took our sin. And he's the only one that was able to do that. Only the holy and righteous I am. Now when Jesus says I am, he's referring to the I am of the burning bush. And there's a remarkable, if you want to do a study, do a study of Jesus' I am statements in the, in the Gospels. He, he's referring to the I am of the burning bush. You know what he was telling them and what he's telling us? He's saying that I and the Father are one. And he reaffirms that, of course, when he says, He that has seen me, remember they said, show us the Father. And he said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. He that has seen me has seen the I am. Because of who Jesus is, He alone, He is God in the flesh. He, he alone could take our place. He is the only approvable stand-in uh, uh, stand uh, for us. There are no other substitutes that can fill the gap for us. You know, all through the years until Jesus arrived at the fullness of time, all through uh, that period was the sacrifice, the unblemished lamb that was sacrificed. But it had to be sacrificed again and again and again and again. Why? Because it wasn't perfect to the point of, uh, of fulfilling the payment for all of humanity's sin. But Jesus was the perfect one-time sacrifice. He came in and He replaced the need to again and again and again atone for the sin of humanity. Only Jesus could do that. He's the only approvable stand-in. There are no other substitutes. There are no other religious figures who have been or are acceptable as stand-in. If you call on Buddha, He won't respond. He's still in the grave. If you call on Gandhi, He won't respond. He's still still in the grave. If you call on Muhammad, he won't respond. He's still in the grave. If you call on Charles Darwin, he can't respond because he's in the grave. If you call on Einstein, he can't solve your problem. He's still dead. If you go back and appeal to a great president like George Washington, he can't help you. He's in the grave. Jesus is the only person that conquered death and has access to the Father and has provided for us what we or no one else in all of time and eternity could provide. He did it for us. And when you're examining the beliefs that your life is built upon, you'd better make sure that they're built on the right person and not on some religious or cultural belief system or cultural personality. One way is not as good as any other. It is about who you know. And when it comes to Jesus, it doesn't make sense for a person to say, well, I don't believe Jesus was God, 
But I do believe he was a good person. That makes absolutely no sense. You say, well, why is that? Well, he couldn't be a good person if he was not who he said he was because he'd be a liar. Because he says right here that he's the only way to God. He'd be a deceiver if he wasn't who he said he was. The fact is, he's either who he says he is or who he says he was or he is the biggest con man that ever lived. And by the way, he would be in the class of fools because he died for his own lies if he is not who he said he was. And that leads to the last thing that I want you to see this morning. And that is that Jesus is not just the only approvable person to God. Jesus is the only provision acceptable to God. Verse 6, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. You can't earn your way into the kingdom. Paul writes in Romans, all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. That's all of us, all of us. But he also says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not the result of works so that no one can boast. You see, if I could earn my way into the kingdom, I could say, you know what, Brother Tim, I just happened to be so good that God let me in. Never made any mistakes. And God just let me in. I just earned my way in. How'd you get in? How'd you get in? How'd you get in? Paul says, uh, Hey, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the good news is that God took that into account, and so he sent his son into this world to die for us so that subsequently we might be saved, we might be redeemed, and it is by his grace acting on our behalf. It's not our own doing. We didn't earn this. It is an act. And so we can't boast. We just simply say, thank you, Jesus. You can't earn your way into the kingdom, all of sin. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. In Acts uh, chapter 8, But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. Now, your money can be a wonderful tool for the kingdom, but it won't buy you eternity. Just like you can't earn it with your works, you can't buy it with your money. Jesus is not just the only person that was approvable to God, but he was the only provision that was acceptable to God. And in Galatians, the Scripture says, When the fullness of time had come, at just the right moment in time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's important. He, was, he identified with us, born of one, born under the law. He came in and had the same responsibility to the law because he was born into this world with us. But, so he was like us in that sense, but he was God in the flesh. And, and uh, Paul says to redeem those who were under the law. He was born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. It was and is Jesus and him alone. That was the provision. Acts 4.12. I'm going to mention this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I'm going to just mention this because this passage will be part of my Easter message in just a few weeks. But in Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation and no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other provision. That's That's what Dr. Luke was writing there in Acts. There's no other provision. And there's no other name. 
Use any other name you want to try to get in, and it, it, it just won't happen. Because there's only one name among men whereby we must be saved. Sarah Michelle Geller, the star of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Scooby-Doo movies, said this, her quote about spirituality. She said, I consider myself a spiritual person. I believe in an idea of God, although it's my own personal idea. I find most religions interesting, and I've been to every kind of denomination, Catholic, Christian, Jews, uh, Buddhist. I've taken bits from everything, and I've customized mine. Take a little of yours, a little of yours, a little of yours. That's our culture. Sounds so culturally relevant, doesn't it? So, So personally fulfilling, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But don't believe it for an instant. Don't be victimized by the misleading religious myths and don't believe that one way is as good as any other way to get to God. You know what my favorite part in the story of Alice in Wonderland is? It's that part where Alice comes to the the fork in the road. There are two roads and you remember the Cheshire cat is there and Alice stops and looks at the cat in the tree, and she said, which road do I take? And the cat replies back and says, well, where do you want to go? And she answers and says, well, I don't know. And the cat says, you remember? Then it doesn't matter which road you take. God doesn't have multiple options. And Jesus clarified the two roads. He said, let me tell you about both of them, but you've got to determine which one you're going to take. You can take that broad road, or you can take the narrow road. One leads to life uh, eternally, and one leads to eternal death. But it's your choice. So, are all beliefs equal? Not on your life. And I do mean not on your life. Don't bank your eternity on political correctness and cultural myths and personal opinions. Billy Graham said this. He said, if Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, if Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, then nothing matters. But if He is... Nothing else matters. If Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, then then nothing else matters. But if He is the Son of God, everything else matters. The Scripture is clear. And it matters big time which road you take. Jesus is the only path available. Jesus is the only person approvable to God. And friend, Jesus is the only provision that is acceptable to God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you made the way, and then you didn't tell us that we had to figure it out, that we had to guess about how to find the way. You made it very clear what the way is, and though it is exclusive, there is only one way. You also opened it up to whosoever 
you also made it clear to whoever. And Lord, I pray today for, uh, for this audience and for those who are joining us by live stream and television. And if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, if you've been trying to earn His favor, if you've been trying to, to hopefully buy your way in, just maybe do enough good works that God will say, come on in, You're, you, you've done enough, you're sufficient, don't you count on that. If you've fallen victim to the cultural myth that all religions end in the same location, don't you buy into that. Jesus made it clear that He is the way. And as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Would you like to become a child of God today? You can do that right where you are. You can pray a prayer from your heart that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me on the cross. I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need help that I can't resolve myself. And that You took care of it all for me. And right now, I invite You to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. Give me a home with you in heaven one day. I invite you in. I want to trust in you and you alone for my eternity. And I can tell you, if you call on him like that, he will hear that prayer. And then maybe there are some in here who say, Lord, I, forgive me for allowing my mind to even follow cultural myths about so many different ways. Father, help me to fix my eyes back on the author and finisher of the faith, Jesus Christ. And keep my eyes on him as I walk until you call me home. Now, Father, I thank you for any that have responded to this invitation today, and I pray, Lord, that you will, that you will reaffirm their decision to follow you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look this way for a moment before we're gone? I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer, to let us know about your decision you can do that by texting the word PASTOR, P-A-S-T-O-R, to 334-384-8080. If you're watching by live stream, that will be on your screen. In this live audience, you can do the same thing that I'm telling the folks uh, by live stream and television. If you said, I'm, I know Christ, but I need a family to belong to, a church home I, I need to belong to, I'd like Ridgecrest to be that home. We'd love to have you as a member here. You text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N. In this audience, you can do the same. In this audience, you can take and use that tear-off panel on the back, and you can check your decision. Maybe you need to be baptized, and we'll schedule a time for that. Just indicate that. Drop it into the offering baskets as you leave the building today. You say, why is it important that I, I tell someone about my decision? Because Jesus said this, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. And by the way, what's to be ashamed of if you've become a follower of Jesus Christ? And so we'd love to hear from you, and we'll take it from there. You text those words you indicated in this live. By the way, the day's coming not too long when we'll give you an opportunity to do all of those things or even walk down forward. Y'all get ready. Y'all get ready, okay? We're going to begin opening up, reigniting. You've been hearing about that and some different things. I'll begin asking you to do things like come to the altar and pray. And uh, there's no coercion in any of those things. But we're going to follow God, aren't we? And so, thank you for being here today. I hope you've been encouraged by the Word. I've enjoyed sharing it with you. Chuck, come.